and elevation from me to promote me, Lord, so I can be used for your glory, a platform for exaltation so God can be glorified. Every place that God puts us, every place that we enter into that is dark, not due to our sin, we heard last evening, is an opportunity for God's glory to light upon us and to make us a blessing to God who's so happy, like a father who has that pride, a good pride, for a child who's very obedient. Now, this is my child. So the father's looking for such people. We can be that person. And God would use that also, we heard, secondarily, to be a blessing to other people. Very, very important point that perhaps you've never heard before. Last evening we heard, as we share, that Joseph was interested in making other people happy. While he was going through pain, having the iron, the chains on him, he went to the baker and the butler and said, why do you look so sad today? Many believers don't even care what others feel. The genuine concern is not there. It may be uh, kind of a social etiquette type of thing. You know, this is the thing I have to do. Uh, they may think something of me if I pass by and not say anything. It's more of a self-protection rather than a real sacrificial concern to really mean it. Because Joseph not only asked the question, he immediately provided the solution, what was with him, he gave to them. They were sad because each one had the dream according to the interpretations written there in Genesis 40. Each one had it according to how it applied to them, but they didn't know what it meant. And Joseph said, is there not a God that can reveal these things? Tell me. I can help you. A man who always thought about others, even those evil brothers. He was in tears for the people who wanted him dead because he didn't want to see them dead. So we see a consistency what a model in the Bible. We can read this in Sunday school stories and hear it in church and read the story and gloss over it, talk about it. But God is showing a real solid life that we can emulate and have the same exaltation that God wants for each of us. Glory be to God. He passed the test. He went into the pit. Then he went into Potiphar's house then he was falsely implicated and thrown into prison. And only then, suddenly, he went into the palace. There was not much uh, preparation for these events to unfold, humanly speaking, for him to track it. He didn't have a calendar. He didn't have a calendar to say that on such a date you're going to be released. But his faith was squarely in what God promised years ago. And he kept believing the Lord. And through that faith, he had the fear of God and he obeyed God. What you're facing in your job, what you're facing in your personal life, in your family, whatever makes you feel like I'm trapped, I'm confined, and there's no place for me here to grow or have any comfort, 
as I relate to a couple in the church recently, the one thing that matters is, is this God's will. Again, that's the serious point at which many, many Christians today have no concern about. What they want to know is, is it comfortable for me? How do I feel? What do other people like? They want to copy everyone else. God is a unique path. And we need to be man enough and woman enough to say, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm here to serve you. Wherever you put me, Lord, I will serve you there. People know how to do that on the job. Wherever God puts the person. Whatever the boss says. They don't argue, typically. But they know this part of the assignment. And they go and fulfill that because they want the paycheck or the promotion. But spiritually, God is the ultimate boss and we're always his servants, his children. We need to come to that point. Lord, the way you want me to treat my children when it comes to discipline, discipline has two meanings. One is teaching or training. The other one is chastening. God wants us to be people who are able to train our children to love the Lord truly and fear the Lord. But he also wants us to be people who discipline the children and give them the tough love to hold them accountable for their actions, clearly showing them where they're defying God and that you won't, we won't have anything to do with that. We won't put up with that. We need to know how God wants us to be. Similarly, the way Joseph was treated by God, he was not spanked. There's not one point recorded in Joseph's life where he needed the kind of discipline that would warrant a spanking. But he was trained. He was a good, faithful child. He grew to be a, a tremendously wise man of God who blessed nations while he feared the Lord and he saved his family. What a beautiful life. How simple it is. But when we're caught up in ourselves, when we're looking at how I feel and what people did to me and what, where I want to go and as you heard that demonic trinity of me, myself and I will be the very ticket outside of God's will. We need to be careful that we are aware of that. You know, so it was repeated yesterday. Anything that the Spirit of God repeats, just like in the Bible, we need to make certain that we pay attention because God is trying to speak to us and correct us. God loves us too much to let us wander away from Him or find our own path. God has a path for every single one of us. He had a path for Joseph. Very unique, specific path. It included suffering, people mistreating him. But he didn't say, Lord, get me out of here now. I want to go back. I want to go wherever I feel comfortable. I want to go where I'm accepted, Lord. As I related this to the Gospel of John, as we read another time, the Lord said, the time has come for me to be crucified. Shall I 
question this now and say, what am I going to do? Shall I run away? My soul is troubled, but does that give me the excuse to go away from the presence of God and fulfilling His mission? What a blessing it would be if I can take this as I often have done and you can do the same thing. Look at the questions the Holy Spirit has brought up during the message last evening and the first day of fasting prayer. Ask the questions to ourselves and say, Lord, where do I stand? The enemy's way is, I already know. And right now, I don't care about anything or anyone. I care about my comfort. That's the way the devil will take a person away from the presence of God. Joseph was a type of Jesus Christ. A man who's worthy of the honor that God gave him. Because the honor came from God, not from men. So God will exalt every one of us. We face a problem. The Holy Spirit has a solution to every single problem. And Joseph did not try to jump out of that confinement because he knew. If he counted that cost and he paid the price, he would reap the reward that God had for him. And he certainly did. Where are you today? Where are we? Are we in God's perfect will? That no matter what kind of pressure we're facing, we have a clearance in our conscience. God is going to see me through. I know it. Because He does not fail those who look to Him. Things that seem to be a lot of red tape to go from point A to point B. Obstacle after obstacle. Frustration builds up. There are people and demons involved to try to block your blessing. When we are faithful to God, our conscience is clear because we're doing the right thing. Like Joseph, every obstacle will be knocked down by God himself. Glory be to God. But if we're not doing the right thing, we can hope and pray and fight to try to take the obstacles out of the way and we'll be more and more frustrated. And you know what the enemy will do? He'll give plan B. Make your own escape. That will always land us in greater trouble. We heard something rather strange to human logic last evening in the fasting prayer. That was that it seemed like every time Joseph did the right thing, he ended up in more trouble. But because he was righteous and that was a very important aspect of his life, he always wanted to do what was right before God, no matter how much he suffered. It didn't matter. Circumstances did not change his conception of the holiness of God and his obligation to lovingly obey him. Nobody could convince him. Satan, as we heard again, very potently described, the devil could not drown the man in sorrow and self-pity through the circumstances and the problems he faced. He couldn't get him. Because every time he kept being faithful to God, he didn't sin against God. 
finally had the biggest assault on Joseph. That was in a place where he was free, nobody was looking. And here comes the woman who's in charge to flatter him, to flirt with him and try to fool him into fornication. And we heard that he, just as she had an eye on him to commit evil, she was used by the devil to take him down, to try to take him down, I should say. He had his eye on her, but not for lust, but to stay far away from her. Because God revealed exactly the serpent that was working that woman, another man's wife. And so he was ready. The moment she made that advance, Satan thought, I've got this young man. He can meet his ego right now and every desire, every lust. But Joseph said this thing. He said, how can I sin? Everything is in my charge except for you. You belong to my master. You're his wife. How can I sin and do this great wickedness before God? He ran from the place. Satan lost. In God, it's written in the Psalms that the word of the Lord tried Joseph. The word of the Lord tried Joseph. We heard this last evening. God will see whether we can prove ourselves before him to do what? Not superhuman feats, just to be loyal. Loyal. We know about loyalty. They have loyalty clubs and rewards and points. What does that mean in customer service and business? It means a person who's faithfully doing what? Transacting and, and bringing business to that, that company. They're buying products and they're faithfully spending their money. Loyal patrons. When it comes to God, He's the greatest giver. All he says is be loyal to me. When I tell you not to do something, don't do it. Because I'm telling it for your own good. When I tell you to do something, do it. Because I'm telling it so you can flourish. So we build these loyalty points, so to speak. We build up our treasure in heaven. God sees solid character forming. This child of mine, this man... Young or old, this woman, young or old, this girl, this boy. God has a record in heaven. Satan came one day with the sons of God is written. And he had an issue. He's looking for people, for souls. The Lord was so confident in Job that Job would be loyal no matter what. When Satan brought that accusation, you know why Job's faithful to you? I'll tell you why, God. You have a hedge around the man. You have this boundary, and he's really not facing any problem. But I want to tell you something. The moment your son, Job, has a problem, he's going to curse you to your face. Or he's going to begin to turn against you. Job, Satan thought, would be like the rest of the population or the majority of it. The moment a problem comes, start clenching the fist, gritting the teeth, smiling and try to connive his way through the problem, 
to get what he wants. He thought Job may sit at home holding his head, weeping, going to self-pity. He thought maybe Job would begin to serve other gods because look at them. This Christian life is so hard. I think I'll jump out of this and do something else. I feel freer. Everybody seems to have fun on the other side of the fence. So restrictive, this path of the cross. So Satan thought, you know, I can probably influence him. Very soon I'll have Job in the clutches of my hands. God said, you can do whatever you want. You can't take his life. But I want to tell you that Job is a perfect man, his integrity. God is good. Job, like Joseph, he couldn't be bought by the lies of the enemy, and he passed the test. And the phrase we heard last evening was, like Job, Joseph would come forth like gold through any trial. Nobody can take our faith from us unless we forfeit it. The devil cannot persuade us to do anything. That's the truth. If you and I are Christians, there is zero chance of us deviating from the golden, glorious path to the cross unless we take our eyes off of the Lord and begin to cave in to the devil's feelings that he puts on us of despair and depression and self-destruction. We need to know the source. It's the cobra in the room, hissing. And some of these snakes, they spit. That's how they get their victims. They spit right in the eye from a distance. They have such accuracy. Satan is a sharpshooter like that. But he can only do it to those who are unprotected. The way we put off our armor that God has given us is to look back at the world and look into the mirror. Praise God, we heard Joseph never did that. Never. 17 years old, given the dream by God. Kept himself pure. Brought to a place of seduction and temptation by a woman of power who flattered him and tried to flirt with him. He had none, none of that, nothing to do with that. Satan went for the jugular to take him down. He would have destroyed his life. We heard that all the prophecies and dreams that Joseph received, reading between the lines, we heard also, not everything is recorded in the Bible regarding all of the revelation God gives to anyone. But we have enough to let us know, especially when we see the end of that individual, that that person was really walking with God. They would have been in communication with God continually. Sweet communion through all of the difficult times and the good times. There's a tight relationship, really walking with God. We heard this, that Joseph's prophecies and dreams that God gave him, not his own dreams. People have a great mix-up these days. I've seen books in the Christian marketplace and study guides and all these things. And you know what the thesis is for those writings? 
It's God can make your dream come true. God is not Disney. We wish upon a star or whatever it is and come and bring our plan to God and say, Lord, now can you make this happen? Show me the shortcuts, Lord, to success. God is God. He has a beautiful dream for everyone. It's not wishful thinking, it's reality. But it's a path that we must choose. And so Joseph, we heard, could have lost all of that prospect of a powerfully anointed life that ended well and forever would be etched in the memory and in the scriptures that God has given to millions of people down the centuries and forever. God wants to put your name in his book as someone who has been wise, loyal, maybe not all the time, but a turning point, a turning point. You know what? God's wisdom speaks to me. No more arguments from me. No more opinions from me. I want the truth, Lord. What should I do? The moment God says what to do, jump on that and follow through. No hesitation. Lot hesitated and he could have been destroyed. God's mercy was there. But his wife adamantly refused that grace determined to go back to Sodom. She was instantly destroyed. She became a pillar of salt. These things are written and the New Testament brings these things out. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's what the Bible says. So, Paul the Apostle, known as the Apostle of Grace, Apostle of Love, a very tender-hearted man, really like Joseph, like Jesus, he just gave his life. He said, I'm ready to die even be accursed from God so my brothers in Israel can live. What a heart. What a self-sacrificial heart. That's a real man of God. But that man of God, so tender-hearted, so full of love, told the Corinthians, listen, do not fool around with what God is saying because judgment is going to fall on you. That's the message. Joseph feared the Lord. He refused to sin against God. And the dreams were fulfilled. God's dreams. God's prophecies came to pass. Because ultimately he passed that test that followed other tests, which was the test for the young man to lose his purity. Very strong temptation but he was stronger than it because he had the Spirit of God in him and he feared the Lord. Because he passed that test, the prophecies came true. So prophecies we heard are conditional when it relates to individuals because we need to obey the Lord. God prophesied about Israel. I'm going to do this for you and that for you. Nobody will be able to touch you or compete with you. That's what God said. You're mine. I love you and I'm going to carry you like a firstborn child. I'm going to give you fields that you didn't work for. I'm going to exalt you. All the people in the world are going to know that I love you. 
but you need to do one thing. Keep my commandments. They were so excited at the prophecy. They said, let's go, God. They began to murmur and complain, become bitter. They said, why can't we be like the rest of the people, God? In fact, we want to go back to Egypt, God. The Bible records a very sobering truth that the entire older generation, a million and a half, maybe two million people, they perished in the wilderness, never got to the promised land. It's a reality. It's a reality. But there were those who were faithful. We need to say, on the one hand, these people, they lost everything. The prophecy did not come true for them because they were seduced by Satan. They began to complain and murmur. And they said, we'll do it our way. Thank you very much, Moses. In fact, we don't even like you. In fact, we wish you were dead. God said, you don't talk like that to my servant because when you do that, you're talking against me. He wiped them out because they were filled with the devil. They, how does a child of God, so loved by God, a nation suddenly defect to the enemy's side. doesn't happen overnight. It starts with neglecting and despising God's presence, His word, His commandments, and saying, you know what, I think I can, I can contribute to what God wants me to do. I have uh, a little tweak here and there. God says, don't do this. Well, I think I'll be okay if I do this. Pick and choose like a buffet. It's not optional. God is God. He's Almighty God. He told Abraham, he said, walk before me, be perfect. See what I'm going to do for you. Abraham did it. He walked before him. The word perfect doesn't mean infallible, but it means that Abraham had a shift in his life, in his Christian walk, if you will. He came to the point that, you know what? I cannot afford to be foolish anymore. I'm not going to listen to anyone, including my wife, anymore. Because at one point, listen to his wife, what happened? He ended up marrying Hagar. Disaster came. He couldn't wait. He didn't wait for God's plan. He was persuaded by even his wife. She was a good woman. She was a princess in the hall of faith. But at that point, she was not doing what God wanted to do. She persuaded her husband. We need to be careful that we don't listen to anyone who deviates from what God has told us to do in his word. But Abraham had to change, and there's grace for you. Grace for me. Praise be to God. It's not to look at them and say, well, they have fell and so I can fall. No, no. These things are written so we don't fall. We don't have to fall. We don't have to have years where we're wandering the desert. That's not God's plan at all. We can go straight to the promised land. But there's a shift. There's a turning point when Abraham said, Abraham said, I'm going to walk before God and do exactly what he said. No matter what I feel, what people tell me, what the situation is, I'm here to do one thing, to obey my God. I love him. He's proven his love to me a million times. He bailed me out a million times. I love him too much. I fear him too much to turn against him anymore. Joseph had that character. Job had that character. Abraham had that character. 
even if you failed at some points, no more to fail. And I believe that's the big takeaway truth that we may have had a past where we have been wandering we have been making decisions outside of God's will we may have been easily persuaded by Satan to ship out from God's presence but we say I'm not falling for this anymore the moment we feel depression hatred bitterness selfishness the moment we feel the pull of the devil, we have every right, every obligation to speak to that evil spirit that comes to knock on our door, to draw us away from God and curse it in Jesus' name. Say, get out of here in Jesus' name. That's not me. That's the devil. I don't want you here. You have no place in my life. Lord, I want to follow you. And you'll see as many people have experienced, the moment we literally open our mouth and talk to the devil and say, get out of here in Jesus' name, evil spirit. I know people who have gotten on Ferris wheels full of anxiety. All of a sudden, fear came upon them because they thought it's going to be a fun ride. Then they started looking at the height of that thing and then they thought, you know, what's going to happen when I actually start going up? I can't get out once I get up there. All of the demonic fears some people have gone into MRIs in the hospitals. All such things they've felt. You know what happened? They learned how to fight against the devil. These fears that come. They learned how to rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. We have no power of ourselves. It takes Jesus to come on the scene. God has not meant for us to God is not meant for us to live in fear. God is not meant for a Christian to be frustrated and, and walking back and forth. And The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit wants us to be full of peace. Joseph somehow had that quality. He had the quality of always being constant to the point where the man was like a bright light in a dark dungeon, quite literally. He was helping people. He was blessing people. He wanted to make people happy. A man totally outside of himself. He looked to God, to please God, and to bless people. What a life to live. You know, people may try to do that. They may try to be charitable. They may try to do some philanthropic work. You know, some people have millions and billions. They say, well, I'm going to set up a foundation here, a foundation there. Why not? Let's help the inner city kids who have no future. Get the name of the papers. Maybe they're genuinely not looking for fame, but you know what? They don't have Jesus. What's the difference, somebody may ask? The difference is, the devil still has them trapped, even though they try to do good things. How and why? Because every human heart needs emancipation, liberation. Doesn't come through political struggles. Doesn't come through finding fascinating hobbies. Doesn't come through the best investments in this world. It comes through turning to the one who made everything, the living God,
and who died on the cross for our sins to say, Lord, I want to become your child. What is this thing called born again? What does it mean? Lord, if you said no one enters heaven, no one sees the kingdom of God without being born again, I can't afford to miss this. Lord, help me. The people who paid up to $20 million, $20 million, you know, for what? You would have heard, some of us at least, to get a seat on the space shuttle. For what? To take a ride. An exclusive ride out of this world only to do what? Back in this world not too much later in time. Have to come back. But the Bible says when a person gets born again they're transported into the heavenly realm spiritually and even if their body's in this world they're no longer of this world. Now, they don't look different physically. They don't have halos that are visible to other people. But the devil knows, this is trouble for me. I've lost a soul. I have another enemy over here. And if they realize who they are in Christ, they no longer are going to be bound with anxiety. No longer they're going to be bound with immorality. No more addiction to cigarettes or drugs or alcohol. I'm going to lose them. And they're going to start whipping me and taking my demons out through the power of Christ and setting people free. He trembles. But who knows this? Only the spiritual man, the spiritual woman. God reveals it to us in the scriptures. Joseph was a blessing. Wouldn't you want to be a blessing to God and to people? He was confined in the pit. He was confined in the prison. He was confined with pain, physical pain. He was confined with the delay in time for his release. He was confined by being in the dark when there was an unknown. How many times have we faced unknowns? You feel confined, like you're in prison. You don't know when you're going to see the light of day. The man had something. He had a living faith. And as long as he had faith in God, and he obeyed the living God, he was walking around with light where he was. Even in the prison. Even in the most difficult times, God's glory was upon the man. Heaven saw that. People also saw that. Not a halo. But they saw the man has something they didn't have. He's full of joy. Even though he's a human being going through pain and oppression and falsely accused and thrown into prison. Seems like his whole life is full of sorrow. Ever since he got the dream from God and the prophecy. Being abused and mistaken for criminal acts that he never did. Innocent, pure child. Young man. But there was an aura around him. The glory of God. People saw it in his actions, in his demeanor, that this man really cared. Even though he's in the prison, he cares about other prisoners. Who can do that? 
only God. Heaven saw that clearly because that glory came from heaven. God gave it to him. And the devil saw that too. That's why the devil didn't bother with other prisoners. He didn't bother with all the other Egyptians. He was after Joseph. The devil's after you. He's after me. We need to be aware of that. Not to run scared and hide. But as it says in Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist the schemes of the devil and having done all to stand. That means victory. God wants us to be a blessing to him and to others. That's the reason he's put us in this world. But any effort on the part of any man or woman, no matter how much money he or she has or doesn't have, how much talent, how, many, how much good looks, how many people they know, their network, everything will come to nothing in the end. But when a person has Jesus Christ on the throne of his or her heart, truly, like Joseph did, God will use that individual to make an eternal impact. That is an awesome prospect and privilege for every person who is a true follower of Jesus Christ. God loves us. Does God care about Hindu people? Does he care about Muslims? Does he care about the atheist, the agnostic? Even the people in the occult, does he care? He absolutely does. He made everyone. He's been communicating that since Genesis chapter 1. He loves us to the point that he paid the price for all of our wrongdoings in one stroke of the divine pen. The record is purged. It's purged. No more offenses recorded anywhere in heaven's record. God loves us. God wants us to be his conduit of love to people who are confused, who are being oppressed, who believe man's word to be the last word. They just don't know. It should break our heart when we see people suffer. Our hearts should be full of a burden. That, Lord, I wish they could know you. Why? Because through the valley, God promises I'll be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he proved that in the life of Joseph. Joseph became a prince in Egypt in a foreign land. God exalted him. Not so he can glory in himself, but that he can bring God's glory to the place. His own family was spared from a severe famine. And not only his family. God loves the whole world. He spared so many people in the foreign lands that surrounded Egypt. They all came to Joseph for food in the time of famine because God gave him a dream that God's going to use him one day. And he gave Pharaoh a dream. God showed Joseph, you're the person, to wisely store up the grain because the time of famine is coming. God revealed that to him. And at the right time, because he obeyed God, God put him in a position to be a tremendous blessing to 
thousands upon thousands of people. He saved their lives. What can compare to that? What Hollywood recognition, what Grammy award, what Oscar, what uh, review in some scientific journal that this person is a scientist of the year, man of the year, woman of the year, model of the year, supermodel, ultra supermodel, whatever it is, everything corrupts. That kind of beauty and recognition is skin deep. The thin covering that we have on the human body, so susceptible to bleeding. That's how thin human achievement will wear out under the scope of eternity. It's a whole lie. But when a person has God, whether it's in business, in sports, in the arts, in ministry, in that mom and pop store in the corner, I've seen Christians everywhere, real Christians. The joy is unmistakable. The love is unmistakable. You can see clearly they're not living for themselves. They're living to please God and help people. You see kindness. You see, time taken, it's not about themselves. It's about how I can show God's love to others and tell them how to get born again because the human soul is immortal. We're going to end up in a destination where we'll not spend 60, 70, 80 years or even 100 years, but a place where time doesn't exist and we will be conscious, fully conscious of where we are and experience either extreme bliss, blessed state of joy, holy communion with God, all kinds of fascinating creatures in heaven, and dazzling beauty, unequaled beauty. It's what God reveals in the Bible, in Revelation. It's all, take, all written down for us. Or the other places, unequal torment where the Lord says four things happen Jesus said this number one there be weeping uncontrollable weeping number two there be gnashing of teeth frustration that I could have turned to Christ while I lived on the earth but I refused it and I have regrets number three a death and decay with no end where the worm consumes the person's body and it doesn't stop. It's a horrible place. Number four, where the fire is never quenched. The flames will be burning that person. Somebody says, well, why did God ever create such a place? The Bible has the answer. God never created hell for people. It was for the devil and the demons because they're so evil. They come to destroy humanity. They incite people to start wars, unjust wars. They incite people to take vengeance. The demons, they come to incite people to break covenant in marriages and have mistresses and boyfriends and all kinds of things to destroy families and children. The demons wreak havoc in humanity. God says, I'm going to punish you. No more will you do this. There's coming a time when God will bind Satan and throw them into the pit. And then throw them into the lake of fire. No more to accost 
and abuse humanity no more. But God says this, whoever would give themselves over to the devil to be selfish and greedy, murderous, envious, bitter, unethical, robbing, all kinds of evil that's characteristic of the devil. If a human being, a free moral agent, chooses that, Joseph could have done that. He never had anything to do with it. But if a human being chooses that, God says, how can he come to heaven? I'm not going to let you come here and mess things up. You've made your choice. But God doesn't write off anyone just like that. He gives umpteen chances. He rescues people time and time again. They know it. It wasn't through their smarts. God has done it. They know. We know. Some outside force has done this. I should have died. I should have done this or ended up here. But someone is looking out for me. That someone is Jesus Christ. If all of those opportunities are rejected, gracious opportunities to turn to Him, God has no choice but to send the person where they want to go. It's their choice. But God has made human beings for heaven no matter the religious background no matter if a person is an atheist God says I love you I've been watching over you you didn't know me and I'm speaking to you how does that happen through this thing called the gospel which means good news what is the good news God so loved the world that he gave us one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have life. No, He said everlasting life. Joseph did not have the revelation that we have today in the New Testament. He didn't even have an Old Testament. But he had revelation from the Spirit of God and he was a man who kept his conscience clear. And when God spoke to him, he listened and he obeyed God. And that's why he's included in the scriptures. One day, we will have the great privilege of standing before God when this brief life is over. Even a person living a hundred years, it can pass so quick. How many times have you heard people? Perhaps you've said it yourself. I used to be 19 years old one day. I don't know how I became 45. I was 40 just the other day, it seems. I, I can tell you all the things I did. and How did I end up 75 and 93, if we're fortunate? But it's like a vapor. Before we know, we have to stand before God. And God has said in the Bible that for every secret thing we've done, He will call us before His judgment seat. But the great escape for us is we can say, Lord Jesus, would you would you purge my record, Lord? So many things I've done. Even if I smiled on the outside and I tried to help people, at the end of the day, end of the day Lord, I really lived for me. I wanted myself to be comfortable. Lord, all the times that I was selfish and I was pretentious, will you forgive me, Lord? 
God can do that in an instant. That's the beauty of the Christian message. The salvation that comes from God is absolutely free. We can never work it up. We don't have the capacity. And so God gave it as a gift because he died on the cross for us. He died on the cross for us to take our sins away. We embrace that and now the Lord says, I'm giving you power to live a holy life. All we have to do is follow him. All we have to do is abide with him. He says, come live with me. We just have to live with him in his house. The devil will be there for a season to say, don't live with God. Come over here. Look at the pleasure I can show you. You're not going to believe it. But God, God really doesn't want you to be happy. The same lie that he told Eve and baited her successfully and brought tremendous disasters to the human race. He will try, but the Lord says, you have more power than the devil when you call on my name. Joseph somehow had that ability to constantly do what King David would say years later. I have always set the Lord before me. He's always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Conscious of God's presence and seeking God's face every day, meaning praying and saying, Lord, show me what you want me to do, Lord. How can I be a blessing to you, Lord, and to others today? Please use my life. That kind of lifestyle and that kind of prayer would keep us safe from all of the snares of the devil. Every self-centered way will vanish. We will no longer be thinking about our mood, our feelings as a priority. They do matter to God. God wants us to have good psychological well-being, a sense of well-being physically, relationally, but a person who really loves with God's kind of love, this agape love in the Greek, is a person who says, I'm here to make the Lord happy and others happy. In the process, we gain the greatest happiness possible to a human being. We see all of these things, elements in Joseph's life. Today we have the opportunity to say, Lord, I want this. I want this in my life, Lord. I want to be just like you, Lord. I want to follow you, Lord. I want my life to count for eternity. God, would you move into my education? Would you move into, Lord, my job situation? Lord, would you bring your glory and your spirit into my relationships? I don't want to do things my way. How many people who have come near God, near to God, and started to feel his presence, have opted to opt out? doing things God's way. They always have their two cents. When God says do this, they say, no, not now, not that way. It's too hard. And I don't understand it, Lord, so I'm going to run away. I'll come back another day. But that running away that one day would be a spiritual slaughter because the devil's just waiting. It's safe to be in the arms of Jesus. Although Joseph was in the pit, in the prison, he was always cradled in the arms of the living God, his father. And he came out like gold through the trials. 
Joseph was a type of Jesus Christ. As was Job, as was Abraham. One day, let it be said of us, even if we had a sordid past, even if we can clearly confess that we were very rebellious against God so many times, God says, I, I will never bring it up because I love you so much. I have washed your sins away, all your failures with my blood. Now it's time to fly. I want you to soar with me. Keep your eyes on me. A brand new future. Glorious eternity. May we be like Joseph. Pass the test from now on. Refuse to listen to the demons. Be a blessing to God and to others. And thereby receive the greatest satisfaction possible to a human being. Greatest joy. Greatest power through humility, through love, through obedience. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the multitudes of angles, Lord. Multitude of angles, Lord. In which you shine the truth to us in every situation that we can relate to. That we are more than conquerors not defeated. More than conquerors through him who loved us. He gave himself for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. Your mercies are new every single morning for those who look to you. As it's written in Psalm 5, my voice you'll hear, Lord, in the morning. We often hear the birds chirp, Lord, nature singing. But we're made in your image. We should be the first to glorify you. Give you the best praise. We love you, Lord. We thank you for sobering us up. And also, filling us with your love today. To go out and make it a great day by following you and doing your will. I thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.